Welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Onshore podcast. A big shout out to Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of the oil and gas industry. Hey everybody, I want to take a quick minute to tell you something that I'm really excited about. I've recently teamed up with Hitched Inc., one of the biggest and fastest growing tech startups in oil and gas. You've probably seen them all over LinkedIn. From generators to light towers, pumps to forklifts, use Hitch to pair your company with reliable rental suppliers and eliminate the hassle of logistics through the use of an in-app platform. Hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to schedule a demo. Welcome to this week's episode. We're here in the virtual world with Tony Benson, account executive at Grouper, and Kyle Souza, data wizard at PMP Oil & Gas Solutions. You know, first and foremost... I'd like to ask how you guys are doing. I'll let each of you guys say hi and just, yeah, how's the families? How's everyone coping through this whole quarantine coronavirus thing? Hopefully everyone's healthy and happy. How's everybody doing? Go ahead, Kyle. I'm doing fine. My day's pretty normal, rather unchanged. Some working from home, some working from the office, which I live pretty close to. Wife and kids are good, though. Got two little girls at home. They were already homeschooled, so this isn't a big change for them either. And someone who has spent most of his life with a best friend that is a pet instead of a human being, the isolation isn't hurting me too much either. (laughs) Nice. That's good to hear. How about any family and friends have been affected by this thing? Because from a personal perspective, I've heard of people getting hit by this, but I don't know anyone personally. How about, are you guys, you know, does it hit close to home for you guys or? I do have a grandmother who is in a nursing home up in Bellevue, Washington. Okay. Uh, so at first we were really worried, but so far no one in her facility has tested positive for COVID-19. So that's been a bit of a relief. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's who I was expecting to be affected by, but no one in my immediate circle yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Tony, what about you, bud? Yeah, man, so far, you know, knock on, knock on wood, but nobody, nobody's been affected in my family or really friends. I, I don't really know of anybody that has, that has got, that has, you know, contracted this thing or whatnot. So it's been pretty fortunate, but, you know, going back to how things are for me or whatever, I, this morning I made a, a steak with infused rosemary, garlic, and basil, and I think thyme. And that's something I normally wouldn't have done because I have the time to cook now. And, nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit life-changing or whatnot. I mean, I would suggest to the audience members to go out and drive a bit, walk around because you're going to be a few more days, a few more weeks, I think for this stuff. But overall, family's doing good. And you know, I was trying to say, actually, we were talking earlier, we're, I find myself a little more busy right now. I think that people are, you know, looking to stay busy, stay engaged and like, you know, not concentrate on other stuff. So it's, you know, there's several lines to all things, right? So things are going good. Yeah, most definitely. How have you guys coped with, I mean, is boredom starting to settle in? Are you guys starting to bump heads with family members? I mean, I don't know about your household, but you know, this is the first time I've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and this is the first time other than taking a couple weeks off at the very beginning, but it's kind of like, you know, the first six months of having kids and you're in the twilight zone. But now, you know, I almost feel like I'm in their space and during the week and my wife's got her plans. And so, you know, it's the little things that I can tell normally wouldn't bother all of us and that including my one-year-old with our four-year-old, you know, like they're together all the time in which they normally they are, but how are you, like, is the family dynamic shifting or can you guys touch on that? Like, has it been a challenge at all? Or, or how are you guys navigating those waters? Yeah, I, I'd say a little bit for me, because now I'm held more accountable. And normally, my wife's a hell of a lot better at that than me. So I, my life <laughs> certainly changed. 
And no, it's actually made me a better to a better human being, I think. You know, I got a four year old and a, a six month old. Oh wow. So, okay. Or for the six month old, you know, not a lot's changed for that little guy. But my wife, she does she actually hosts technology conferences and now they're moving more towards online. So she's actually working downstairs now. So again, feel pretty fortunate. It hasn't changed that much. But boredom, you know, like I said, if you just don't get yourself outside and, you know, do something, you know, go out, get some fresh air. I, I do think you got to be careful with that. There's been some really cool LinkedIn posts on, you know, everything from like getting up and, you know, actually getting on your shoes, right? Like wear shoes, like you're going to work. just those little, you know, subconscious or conscious level things you can do. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I think those are really helpful. I'd, again, I'd engage the audience to go on LinkedIn. It's pretty, there's some pretty cool stuff out there to keep you engaged, keep your mind off, you know, the craziness of, of what's happened because it will go back to normal eventually. And again, normal is a relevant term. So, so, <laughs> yeah. so, so, so far, so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's good. Kyle, what about you? I mean, have, have you had any challenges outside of the norm? I mean, any issues with space or fighting for office space inside your home or what? Uh, not so much. We have office upstairs, which is mostly full of my comic books and memorabilia. Okay. Uh, my wife has taken over the living room with a couple tables and she's sewing masks and such. Um, okay. Wow. Well, good for her. Yeah. So half the room is set up as puzzles and stuff for us to do as a family in the evening. And then the other half is, yeah, a couple tables with sewing equipment on it. But really, that's not too different. She's a rather crafty person in that sense. And usually we have a project going on, but usually it's in the garage instead of inside. Okay. Okay. Justin, you know, Kyle brings up an awesome point. The two things, we've never really played board games, but I got Operation and I've always wanted to find Mousetrap because I played that as a kid. Yeah. Do you remember Mousetrap? Anyway. Oh, yeah. uh, I got that sucker. And so I've actually played Operation and that game is actually tougher than you think. I thought I had steady hands. That's not the case. And I think my four and a half year old is a little better than me. So we're actually doing board games now. And I thought, again, this is something that you wouldn't have done normally that kind of, you know, kind of puts things back into perspective. I think it's, that's one of the better, better parts of this more family time, you know? Yeah, no, it's funny you say that. And ironically enough, my wife got operation probably about right <laughs> kind of as this thing was settling in. And I'm pretty sure we've lost about three or four of the pieces, but oh, yeah. yeah, that is, it's hard. And it's, yeah, it's funny because my daughter and I and my wife will play it. My son, he just he, he tries to mess with it. It's funny because we've done a lot more of that. My wife basically has gotten a bunch of random games, like one called Zingo and Operation was one. And there's this one with chipmunks and these nut things. And it's it's <laughs> literally it's really it's it's funny, but it's forcing us to, to do more together. And even so, I have a sort of a gym set up in my garage. And in the evening, once the kiddos are in bed, I try and get in there and lift just just to kind of like, you know, decompress at the end of the night and get some blood flowing. But it's crazy because seeing more and more people outside walking, being active together as a family, I saw our whole neighborhood's full of families, young families, and, you know, a mom and dad jogging with their two kids. And one was riding a bike. And you're just seeing that more often. So ultimately, I think it's kind of changing the way humans interact and even families interact with each other. So hopefully there's some silver lining. You know, I would eventually, eventually if, if things go back to normal, like quote unquote normal, we'll see if all that sticks. But I think it's really, you know, from my personal standpoint, it's it's helped us kind of sort of really to get to know each other more than we already do, which it sounds silly. I mean, my wife and I have been together for over 10 years, and but we're now still learning about each other. And, and just being together like this has, has certainly been an interesting time. And so I just wanted to touch on that. You know, everyone's in the same boat right now. So I was curious about you guys. But 
Hey, Justin. You know, let, let's, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Real quick, one last point on operation. This is really important for your audience to know on that game. Yeah. My, my four and a half year old, if you have a younger kid and he's ever played, he cried for the first two hours because he hit the button that little that guy's nose like lit up. And yeah, him. And I don't know his name. He, thought he, killed him. <laughs> he like ran away, and we had to bring him back in. And now, like the next, the following morning, it's all good. Like you know, again, the, the initial shock. Yeah, like, and he's back. The next morning, he was dude. He was lighting that dude up. I'm like, you're killing him because it's like, yeah. him. like he was killing me. So wow, anyway, he's, uh, he's got a good heart. That's good. That's good. <laughs> hey, so that's too. Not, not yeah. too much. I just no, that, that's funny, man. I mean, shoot, our our daughter, she she doesn't seem like she really gives a shit if he dies or not because she lets that thing vibrate <laughs> until she actually gets it. I'm like, sweetie, that's not the point. Like, you're supposed to, if you hit it, then you pass it off. And she's like, no, I need to get it. And so, yeah, it's it, it brings up all sorts of funny things going on. But anyways, before we keep going, actually, you know, the audience, I'm sure you've heard both Kyle and Tony talk. If you don't mind, just introduce yourselves more from a professional perspective. And, you know, you've already kind of mentioned it, but if, if there's anything else that the biggest positive takeaway from the time spent in quarantine, whether it's with family, you kind of mentioned it, but maybe maybe more from a business perspective, if you wouldn't mind. So, uh, Tony, if you want to start, introduce yourself and kind of from a business perspective, how this has hopefully helped you guys one way or another. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I work for a company called BIS and we're a software publisher of Grouper. That's the software. But, you know, prior to that, I worked in the oil and gas industry for well over six years or so, and more or less like a business analyst. I worked with the investors, worked on the operations side, you know, work with a lot of folks, a lot of different departments, finance. And, you know, I find, kind of found my way to the, the automation side of things where I find myself now. So about three and a half, three and a half years in, and, you know, to answer your question about what is, you know, done, I guess, is that, it, you know, every closed door, and there's lots of doors closing for a lot of people. Like today, we saw the job numbers and stuff. So, you mm-hmm. know, thoughts and prayers of those men and women out there. But you know, whenever, you know, when doors open or doors close, you know, other doors open. And I found, you know, at least an opportunity to, you know, to help people. And, you know, and I think it's brought in a different type of perspective in the way people think, right? You mentioned, we've mentioned the word normal a couple of times in this call. You know, these are just the way we have to, these, this is life, right? And I think just having that perspective of, you know, of what, of what, of what things are now mm-hmm. and, you know, how we can make them better. That's, that's kind of the, I think the piece we can kind of take out of that is the biggest silver lining, right? Of those, of those little things. I never would have thought operation, you know, not going back to that again, would be such a bigger thing. But those little things yeah. do matter. And all those that do have jobs, be very, very, very thankful. And those that don't, help them find something they can work with. So, Right. Yeah. No, that, and that, that brings up a good point. You know, I know a lot of people, even in my inner circle, that have unfortunately lost their jobs. But being, you know, a gentleman who's been in the industry, do you have any words of advice for folks out there that are either on the cusp of thinking they're going to lose their job or who may have already? Is there anything, any sort of nugget that you can come up with or that you've sort of heard or come across that would help a lot of these folks? Absolutely. It was actually my former boss, Larry Rader. Shout out to him. He works for WPX now. Never give up. You know, okay. in the oil and gas industry, you have the sun that goes up and the sun that goes down. It's just the ebb and flow of these type of things. So, you know, there are those that are with you, but don't give up, continue to go learn, talk to people, network, you will find something. And, you know, back in the day, you know, I worked for Apache, BHP, Petrahawk, you know, for various roles, consulting. There was a time period where I was, you know, off for quite a bit, but one thing I didn't do is I didn't give up. So continue to network and just reach out to people because everybody has a specific skill set. You just got to be able to articulate it and show people that you have it and provide value. That's what I would suggest people to go do. Awesome. No, I love it. 
No, that's that's great, man. Kyle, what about you, man? Where are you from and how'd you get into the role you're in now? And and again, something that you can, any takeaways from this quarantine stuff that we're experiencing? Sure. Originally, I'm from Phoenix, but I've been in the Houston area most of my life. I've been in oil and gas for 14 years now. Started out at a software database company, moved into the GIS mapping side, worked for oil and gas companies, and have been here at PMP. Previously, PMP or Pettigrew and Pettigrew Land Services. Now we're PMP Oil and Gas Solutions, but been here for about five years now. And, you know, I think that one of the best things from a business sense to come out of all this is for companies to realize that it's okay for people to have flexible schedules and for people to work from home. Great point. There's a lot less traffic in the Houston area, in Los Angeles, and in all these areas where traffic congestion has been a huge problem. It's it's no longer a problem. I'm not saying that people need to stay cooped up all the time, but maybe it's a better solution to building new roads everywhere permanently and just always be in that cycle to just allow people to work from home if they're able to do it. And so for the people that are able to stay employed during this time, they get to prove that they can work in a disconnected or semi-connected environment and still get things done. And That's something that I've enjoyed in the past, being able to work from home. One of my jobs was strictly from home and it worked great. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting you say that, and that seems to be a very common topic of discussion is, is allowing the flexibility for people to work more at home. And so how do we as an industry or just in general quantify the value someone's adding to a company if they're working from home in a typically traditional environment where you clock in, clock out, you've got someone breathing down your neck. How do we transition to put trust in our employees and how do we measure that? And I, that's a very broad question because I think every job responsibility is so different, but more from a cultural perspective, do any of you fellas have any advice for companies out there that may be experiencing this type of transition and, and how they can approach that? Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. I was just going to say, managers need to be able to manage people and tasks and just manage clock because there's so many mid-level managers and companies and lower level managers and companies that are just is the person here and they assume that if the person's here and doing something that they're doing something worthwhile and doing their job and that's just not the case you know in that place the boss is the clock watcher right and nobody wants a clock watcher for an employee and so they need to come up with those different quantifiers. They need to have a set of objectives. Every company should have objectives for each of it, each of its employees daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly for them to achieve and some sort of margin or buffer on how close they get to those objectives. Some objectives have to be done and that's the only way. And other ones are more of, are they progressing towards this goal? Because that goal may never be achieved. You know, increasing efficiency is going to be a never ending goal. But if somebody can show quantifiable ways that they have increased their and others' efficiency, you know, there is some value to that. But companies will have to evaluate each employee. And I think that burden is going to fall on the management of the company more so than the employees. And then once the employees are given the expectations, now it's their responsibility to fulfill those expectations or to refute them if they feel that it's unreasonable. And at that point, the company has to decide, okay, were we unreasonable or do we need a new employee? Mm. a dangerous task also, but very rarely are things worth doing easy to do. That's a great point. And I think people are going to be forced to adapt to this new environment. Tony, what what do you think, man? What's your thoughts on that? Well, I think you brought up a good point. It does depend upon the the job, right? So let's just say you're a dentist. I mean, you got to go to work to do your thing. But 
you know, as far, let's just look at this from a time to value standpoint, like, you know, like an, an actual ROI, you know, if you have to get up at five, let's just talk Houston. I'm, I'm up here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but if you're in Houston, you know, and you have to get up at five o'clock or four thirty in the morning, that's time you're awake, you know, getting to the office. And then, you know, do you stay, do you leave a little bit early from home to, to beat the traffic or do you stay later? You know, why do people work to begin with? Certainly if you love your job, you'll never work another day in your life. Right. But yeah, exactly. you know, a, lot, a lot of, and a lot of people do. And, but there is to be a, you know, a life work balance. And I think you could really kind of quantify hours. Let's just take, for example, me an hour and a half or 30 minute drive, you know, more or less every day to work one way. So it's an hour. That's five hours. That's nearly a full day of my company gets of me not driving to work. And to right. me, so I always, I always look at the ROI of things is, is the juice worth the squeeze is the solution. If the solution is worse than the problem, it, no, it renders itself no longer a solution, right? So just hard hours and by itself, you could make a good argument that if you can work from home or work remote or have the option of doing both, I think there's value in being there in the office and working with your colleagues, you'll get more one-on-one, but man, each time I go down to Houston, I getting up at 4.30, 3.30 in the morning, you know, spending hours on the road. Is that really the best use of time for a company? Does the person get worn out? I mean, they have to be. So again, there, there, there could be definitely value that could really be undertaken and really studied and used, right? So. Right. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the traffic and time spent in a vehicle. I'm in sales. And so a lot of my time is spent traveling you know, from customer to customer and I haven't quite got granular enough with running the numbers, but I often think to myself, if I, and I, people are already starting to do this, but if I could Uber around and still work while I'm in the vehicle traveling, I probably, my days would probably be a lot shorter. But either way, I think you're right. I think spending that time adding value without sitting behind the windshield certainly can be beneficial. But anyway, yeah, no, those are great answers. And I'm, you know, right now, it's just so interesting to hear everyone's perspective. But I want to take a quick break. If you like coffee and you don't want to pay for it, I have a deal for you. Once this quarantine's over, I'm offering to pay for a coffee for anyone that leaves a review. I always enjoy engaging with my audience, especially the ones supporting the show. If not, that's cool too. I'm extremely grateful that you're even listening. Speaking of grateful, I'm grateful for technology. And it's actually how we got introduced, you guys. Mark LaCour, who's you know a colleague of mine through OGGN, is a, a good friend. He made the introduction. And Tony, you were actually on one of his podcasts. So how do you guys, how'd you guys get connected with Mark? Or I guess, Tony, how'd you get connected with Mark? You know, I heard about the technology or I either heard about the technology or heard about the podcast. I'll, I'll go with the podcast as you guys, he, he runs really, really good stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, he heard about Grouper and, you know, a lot of the artificial intelligence and machine learning, a lot of the buzzwords that are going around now. And, you know, we were doing some stuff at a, an event in Vegas and he heard some, some of the things that we were doing for some majors. And that's, you know, we just had a conversation and, and then we, we did the podcast and it was just, just great again to help educate those that don't really know about the technology that's out there that it can help, et cetera. So that's, that's how we got together with me and Mark. Gotcha. Okay, cool. No, I'm glad he made the introduction. So one of the reasons that I have both of you on coming from two kind of separate entities is because your companies have a unique partnership, right? So I'd like for to kind of get an understanding on, on that partnership and maybe individually explain what your companies are and what they do and then how you guys are able to leverage each other's you know resources or kind of what that looks like to help kind of bridge the gap here. So we are, Grouper is a software, right? We are a software company. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what what Grouper is, is a data processing platform, integration platform that leverages AI and machine learning to process data, you know, to give business insight to that data that they use for, you know, drilling for land, where to buy, 
you know, and we have various verticals that we're in. We're, we're agnostic to departments within oil and gas, right? Finance, operations, land, marketing, et cetera. And, you know, one of the things that we do lack is, you know, you have those three-term people, processes, and technology. We have the technology, we believe, but do we have the people in process to be able to solve specific problems and add that business value, right? And that expertise that is absolutely needed to have a full solution, to have to understand the solution, to make it the best it could possibly be. So, you know, we you know heard about PMP's work with respect to the land services they had done, and we just had a conversation about how they could leverage our our technology for their specific needs. Okay. I know this is an oil and gas podcast, but groupers being used across all verticals at, at majors. Because again, a document and data is data, whether it's a lease, a student transcript, an, an invoice, an explanation of benefit that insurance and hospitals use, a gas statement, purchaser statement. It doesn't matter. It's, it's data, right? So that's the way grouper looks at it. There is no templated approach to a specific problem. So we need specific people and specific experts like PNP to help us solve problems faster, quicker, and more efficient. And it just was a good, it was just a match made in heaven whenever we met up with them and saw what they could do without the technology. Now they have it. And, you know, that's how we became, if you want to call that a partnership, that's okay. But that's how it all happened. Interesting. Okay. So group, how did you guys get started? Or is it, did you primarily get started within oil and gas or, or what? And are you part of the original group or did you hire on after or? So, yeah, so that's a great question. So BIS is the name of the company. We've been around for 33 plus years. All we've done is process data with legacy platforms and legacy technology. And all the way going back to microfilm and fiche from counties. And it could have been patient records, student files, I mean, banks and government records. And over a 10 year period, you know, after reselling a lot of the the legacy capture platforms, integration platforms. And what is legacy? What does that mean when you say legacy? What I mean by that is just, this very older or bought out technology Frankenstein together. That's oh, what I okay. mean by that, right? So there okay. isn't, you know, when you when you have a technology, it could get bought and sold, but all the, the people that develop that technology are gone or they're not there. So it really can't be built on top of anything. It's just kind of, it's a Lego set that necessarily doesn't match or the technology, oh, okay. or the technology just hasn't, for whatever reason, hasn't been developed to fit specific needs or grown. And that's, gotcha. and as a at BIS, we resold that and we implemented that and we actually used back in the day used it as a service to process data and documents so we had a lot of gaps right what for example ocr is just not that reliable how do we fix that classification why do we have to build a template for every single piece of classification it's not scalable why do we have to use hard coding to extract information off of unstructured semi-structured documents why why is there code needed for any of that mm-hmm. and we built out Grouper, and I think a huge differentiator is from learned and applied knowledge. Like, you know, when you drill something, you know exactly what you're going to get after when you're drilling it and or drilling a well when you're drilling it and after you're drilling it. So think of that as Grouper, right? We're working with data and it's like, well, here's a gap. Here's something can be filled. Here's a gap. Here's something can be filled. And over a 10-year period, here we are with Grouper. And we went to market with it roughly around four years ago. And I've been at Grouper for roughly three and a half years ago or for three and a half. So okay. it's been an absolute wild ride and a very, very exciting one. And, you know, I heard about them, what they could do with some well files and land documents. I saw them at our facility in Oklahoma City because I'm in Tulsa. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall where, you know, there could be an opportunity. Again, didn't give up and was very fortunate to land here. So that's how I see. That, that's how Grouper got started. 
Okay. So Kyle, my question for you then, obviously you come in, you know, from a completely different perspective, looking at it from PMP. So how did you guys recognize that Grouper was a viable solution from a tech, from like a technology standpoint? And what did the transition look like for you bringing in Grouper? And, you know, you'll have to excuse my ignorance because this is sort of out of my normal scope of, of work, but you guys as a company, are you now hiring Grouper or are they like an arm of your company or like what is how does that structured if you don't mind me asking yeah sure so we got into scanning documents about 10 12 years ago and not a whole lot of people were necessarily scanning documents and saving them as pdfs and whatnot at that time but we saw the benefit of that and then ocr you know being able to copy and paste from documents mm-hmm. but what is ocr for people who aren't familiar oh sure optical character recognition it's where technology figures out that that is a letter C, that is a letter A, that is a number one, et cetera. You know, figure okay. out numbers and symbols on a gotcha. Image. And so we take data from these documents and we put them into databases. And we kept saying, why do we have to, you know, keep copying and pasting? And we're just paying somebody to copy and paste from this to that. And so we looked at lots of different solutions. And with structured documents, there were some solutions out there. But with semi-structured and unstructured documents, there weren't real, there wasn't really a solution until we found Grouper. And there are a couple, you know, solutions out there. But the real benefit that Grouper gives that we enjoy is Grouper puts you in control of what you want to extract and how you want to extract it without needing that programming base. You know, I've done .NET development, I've done PHP development, I've worked with multiple database backends. I'm not afraid of coding, but I don't want to spend all day every day doing it. Sure. And with regular expression through a few other tools inside of Grouper, someone who is just technically competent but is not a programmer can make this system work. And we have a lot of more people that are technically competent that aren't programmers than we have programmers that are able to understand an oil and gas document. You know, it's a whole lot easier to teach a lease analyst that knows how to use Excel well, how to use Grouper, than to teach a programmer how to read an oil and gas lease at the level that a landman and lease analyst needs to. So In- interesting. We with Grouper. Okay. Um, so what are some of the challenges that you've experienced, if any, when bringing something like this on or adopting something like this that maybe folks within the company were used to doing traditional? Like, Was there any kind of resistance to change or what does that look like? Sure. You know, Grouper is a tool that we use. And so we have to train our employees on it. Some of them are a little fearful at first. You know, I've been in rooms where people are talking about machine learning and this kind of process to, you know, a hundred plus people in the oil and gas upstream space, such as lease analysts. And they look like, you know, the terminators are coming to kill us or, you know, the robots are going <laughs> to take all our jobs. Yeah. You know, and that's not really the case. This is, Yes, it's a tool that people can use that can't fully replace people. It will make people more efficient, and so people will need to find something else to do other than just a low-level entry. But that's really what Grover is focused on, is data entry and data validation and improving the data to get ready for an analyst to actually do their job. And so that's how we use it. And so we didn't have any internal strife or internal hesitation with using it. We knew it was something we, we wanted to be in because we knew it's going to happen. You know, there's a growing gap in between the haves and the have-nots when it comes to this kind of technology. And anyone who is not investing in it is going to be behind the ball when it becomes the standard. And Mm. if you 
until it is the standard to, to start adopting it, you're just going to be in a bad position compared to your competitors. And so we want to be ahead of that instead of behind yeah. it. No, being proactive and getting ahead of things, certainly, especially now is going to, is going to pay off, you know, in huge dividends later down the road. So PMP oil and gas solutions, I took a look at your website and, and just to kind of wrap my head around what it is, it, it seemed like you guys had a pretty large number of services and different, you know, with regards to, you know, admin and maintenance, you got division orders, accounting services, mineral management, you know, even things like training and then all the different types of softwares you guys use from a 30,000 foot view, what does all that mean? And what's a typical scope of work for, for what you guys do and, and how you add value to the marketplace? Sure. Our goal is to help oil and gas upstream and midstream back office departments improve their efficiency. So whether that means doing data entry or training somebody else how to do data entry or using a program like Grouper to extract data, human doesn't have to do data entry and just reviews what goes in and make sure that it's correct. That's what we do. So implementing systems, helping people pick software, doing work, helping people hire someone to do work. We're pretty flexible on what we do, but our goal is to help people from taking a lease to paying out dividends on the oil, you know, paying out everybody that they need to for the oil when it gets moved through the pipeline, just helping with any part of that process and making it as efficient a process as possible. Okay. It makes sense. So since, you know, obviously there was a downturn we experienced, you know, 14, 15, 16, a lot of folks slowly started coming out of it. Then all of a sudden, boom, the whole world implodes, oil prices dropped to basically 20 bucks. What are some of the challenges that you guys have faced from the company and, and how are you setting yourselves up for capitalizing when this thing turns around? Yeah. So go ahead. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah. You go. Well, I was just going to say a lot of companies are coming to the realization that, you know, they're working with skeleton crews. I mean, they still need to be just as efficient as they were, even more efficient, right? It's just not about drilling wells more efficiently. It's across the entire spectrum of the business. And, you know, you're only as good as, you know, oil and gas companies drill for data, but what drill for oil, but what drills for data, right? And you're only as good as your data that's provided to make those business decisions. So in fact, business is actually kind of picked up to an extent because it matters that much more. And, Hmm. you know, when you have, you know, Kyle mentioned a couple of use cases, but if you're vertical and department agnostic and you can use this in accounts payable, you can use it in your non-op analysis, you can use it in your gas statements or purchaser statements. Again, going back to any data, for your lease analysts, for your drill techs, for anyone specific to that department to be more efficient and more valuable. In the end, it's going to save jobs. It's going to create jobs because, and Kyle said, you know, I think one of the themes that is when he described this was the inevitability of it, right? And it's given people kind of a head start on this. And it's actually, it's actually helping. So as far as the resistance goes, it's actually making events like this allow for change a little easier in my mind. Yeah, right? they're a little less scared because hell, you know, what's more scary this this virus, you know, the six million people that that's more scary, right? Versus mm-hmm. words like machine learning or artificial intelligence, right? So, you know, that's that's what I've seen on my end. It's actually gotten busier because they need to be just as efficient with less people. And you know, when these people learn this software and and, and others like it with respect to technology, that's just the new world. Got to be more efficient. Period. Yeah. Right, no. Oh, yeah. I'll echo what Tony said there with people are trying to do the same amount, if not more work with fewer people. So efficiency becomes an important factor there. And then also, you know, some people have put projects on hold, especially when it comes to new drilling and whatnot. 
So we're not doing so much of that, but we are preparing for the consolidation that's coming. You know, it's an unfortunate reality of low oil prices. Some companies will be selling off all their assets. And so we want to be prepared for that and to help the people that are purchasing those assets do so timely and efficiently and know what they're buying and all that kind of thing. So that's what we're preparing for and we're busy preparing for right now is being able to process those, whether it be a bankruptcy or just a sell-off. Yeah. So what would you say the future looks like for you guys over at, at PMP and even at Grouper? I mean, do you guys have sort of a, a vision for, for how things are going to play out for companies like yourselves in the next you know, five, 10 years? Is there an ultimate goal for, for what you guys have in, in mind? Well, specific to this technology or more broad? More broad, like more just PMP. Okay. You know, our goal is just to help as many companies as we can or as many companies that need to. We'd love to see some standardization in the industry, and we'd love to be a part of that. When I look at stuff like in the GIS world, because uh, I've done a lot of GIS mapping, you know, PPDM data models, that's a great standard to have. And we're missing a lot of those standards in upstream. And I think that with some of the consolidations that we're seeing in the tech spaces and just more clearly defined land databases and accounting databases, for example, we can start having some standardizations in the upstream that haven't been adopted yet. And I'd love to be a part of that personally. Well, our goal at PMP is just help anyone who needs it. Nay, right now is, is a great time to serve and help others. Tony, what about you within Grouper and, and the technologies that you offer? What does the future look like in that space, even with regards to artificial intelligence, machine learning, all these fancy buzzwords that people are kicking around, which I think now are truly adding value and people are starting to see the benefits. What, what does that look like in the future? Well, I think it's, it's just going to become more of the, the mainstream type of thought. I think, you know, when you talk about AI and machine learning, it's getting more towards what, what specifically AI machine learning means to that specific person. Right. It's it's digging down to what that specifically means. But, you know, going back to college for, for Grouper is to, you know, help people to educate, to get the data literacy accurate. There's a lot of folks and partners and, you know, data aggregators and data service companies that we work with. And a, and a common theme is what they call a data tsunami, you know, of information that's, that's coming to these companies within the vertical, outside the vertical. And again, you know, data is the new oil. You have to get control of these to make the most, to make the most informed decisions. And we got to keep up with the rest of the world. And, you know, Kyle said at best, companies need to stay ahead of the curve. And Grouper's goal is, is to have those companies stay ahead of the curve with us. And, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously, right? I, again, we are a software company. It's impossible for, for us to know all the verticals. And, you know, we really want to rely on others to kind of teach and, and partner with these partners like PNP and our clients to, to educate us on what exactly they need. Grouper's rendered useless if I don't have a lease analyst telling me what's important with their data, right? So an, another goal is to continue to work with even more and in depth, learn more about the data literacy within these various departments. And again, during these times, you know, I, I'm very fortunate to work for a company like BIS slash Grouper because he's, you know, my CEO, owner, operator, he's keeping all the staff and we're going to get through this stronger, better, more efficient. And I think companies are starting to realize that when you start hearing the word restructure. And part of that restructure is using automation. And it just that's, that is the future. Very cool. I couldn't agree with you more. I have a few more questions here, more, more from a personal standpoint before we close out. But for, I mean, shoot, Tony, we can just keep going with you. Do you have any current daily habits or routines that, that keep you focused and motivated to keep grinding, especially in such a 
you know, depressing, if you will, which I hate using that word, but right now it's just like everyone's deflated and, and, you know, doom and gloom, but do you have any habits or routines that really just kind of help keep you motivated right now? Yeah, man. I, it just, it's just an extension of what I've always done. We go back to, you know, in that car for 30 minutes, one way to work and one way back, I'd listen to not a plug, but I'd listen to podcasts. I'd listen to, you know, education. I mentioned the word data literacy. I didn't even know what that term even mean prior to me reading up on it and how it, what it, what it means to other companies, right? Just getting more and more educated. So a routine would be just, you know, using this time, you know, at the house, you know, with these webinars, these podcasts, and, you know, just, just learning as much as I can and being informed as much as I can and having a, you know, steady regimen of that. Also too, just staying physically active, you know, sitting here in this office, I mean, I'm looking at the clock now, these 38, 39 minutes have just flew by. I mean, I'll sit at my computer for, for a long period of time. And again, some LinkedIn recommendations. It's like, you know, have water, get up after 45 minutes. Don't just sit there. So another routine is just working out and just keeping both physical and the mind going. And just to have a routine is, is crucial for me. Cause otherwise I can get, I can get all over the place, you know? So got <laughs> yeah. to have a routine, man. Got to have a routine. Yeah. So those are some, Routines. Those are yeah, no, that's, I appreciate you sharing that, man. Routine is, is certainly good. And I mean, I'm a creature of habit. And so my routine's pretty you know steady throughout the day. And if my routine gets thrown off, it, it takes me a minute to adjust, but I always find it interesting. Everyone has kind of the, the way they handle, whether it's a routine in the morning or routine at night before bed, but ultimately having something that you can kind of, you know, focus back in on and, and get your mind I mean, in the right place and create a certain mindset is, is, is important. I think for a lot of people who are performing at a really high level. Kyle, what about you, man? Do you got any daily habits or routines that you're that kind of keep you in the right mindset right now? Sure. I read every day. Usually at night I read, I listen to podcasts all throughout my day. So that's that's just a habit that I've maintained. I don't necessarily have a specific time for it. And then I have specific times that I do a lot of stuff with my church. Right now we're doing a lot of virtual meetings. So every Monday night I've got a thing, every Sunday thing, every Tuesday I got a thing. So and then just my daily readings when it comes to Bible study every day is pretty much the only thing that I do on a time basis. But my habits haven't changed too, haven't been affected too much by this coronavirus outbreak. Spend the evening dinner and the family and everything. And then after the kids go to bed, spend a little time watching TV with the wife and yeah. work on some web work. And it's not too different for me. Right. No, that makes sense. You mentioned, you know, some Bible study and, and reading and stuff like that. This is kind of off topic, but I've read and even just talked to some folks that say this this whole pandemic and sort of thing that we're experiencing is it was predicted, you know, whether it was through religion or people writing books. I mean, do either of you guys have any thoughts on that? Like, was this something that was supposed to happen? Because it's everything seems really ironic. I mean, whether you're spiritual or religious or not, but I mean, does anyone have any interesting Can takes I, on that? I think perspective is is what is Anytime there's a, a bad thing, I just try to take yourself back like perspective, right? You know, what were, what were people doing in the late 1930s, early 40s? I mean, the world was on the, on the brink of absolute destruction, right? And they were, you know, just ask, you're not very much around or whatnot, but, you know, ask, ask a veteran what he was dealing with, you know, when he was sleeping out in Iraq or wherever, right? You think about those type of things and what we're dealing with. I mean, it's, you know, some folks are trying to figure out which Netflix show to run through. I would suggest Ozark. It's a pretty slick show. Oh, it's um, the best. That is freaking amazing. Or if you haven't watched Sopranos, <laughs> which you should be, you got to watch that show. You have the time. But honestly, you know, as far as predictions goes, that's, again, going back, that's that's just life. And, you know, not how hard you get punches. If you can get punched, then come back up. Thank you, Rocky Balboa. Yeah. But, Hell you know, yeah. 
That's an awesome movie. But all of them are. Maybe not Rocky Five, but um, <laughs> Rocky Five. Anyway, I just think perspective needs to be brought in. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's happening to a lot of people right now with this unemployment rate. It's not to, we're going to get through it. Again, just don't give up. And just think back to, you know, the folks that had it much much harder across the world. I and mean, we're, we're still very, very blessed. And as far as, so as far as predictions, look, yeah, I was predicted because this is life. Hmm. That's it. That's the way I look at it anyway. No, that's, that's good. And you mentioned Netflix, man. I'm surprised you didn't mention Tiger King being that you're <laughs> a gentleman from Oklahoma. I don't think, yeah, well, you know, and, and you know, fair. guys like him, <laughs> <laughs> I, we finished it last night or I think we're on the last episode, but golly, what a show, man. That just, yeah, that we could have a whole nother conversation about let's that. Not, but when you're talking let's, about let's Netflix, we, we got we got we got too many we got too many damn Okie jokes or whatnot. So oh you know, man, you guys uh, are getting hit from every angle. I bet. <laughs> I was actually looking it up on Google Maps, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize it's halfway between Dallas and Oklahoma City. There I was you like, go. you know, just out of principle, I need to take a picture or whatever. But anyway, that that's again totally getting off topic. But you know, appreciate the answer, Kyle. I'd love to hear your perspective. You said you you know, like you said, and I'm not trying to get religious right, but there's a lot of people who really feel like this is mother nature's or or god however you want to call something at a greater being that this was something that was almost needed do you have any thoughts on that and and it doesn't have to necessarily be from a religious perspective but just kind of your thought on that on this whole because it just seems like the stars aligned and everything just you know wiped itself out yeah i think that saying a simple yes to that is too too short of an answer i think that's more complicated i think that we're not really prepared for it Mm. that's the biggest downfall here is that these kinds of things happen you know plagues go back in human history as far as we have record you know through anthropology of humans existing there have been mass outbreaks of disease right the times that they're the worst is when people are prepared for them and i think that we feel very insulated in this world i think that we feel especially here in america that we feel kind of untouchable when it comes to those kinds of things those are for other people's countries and other people's problems yeah so i think that's part of why it's so scary for people is because people felt safe just by being an american citizen and that was proved not to be true mm. and so i don't want to say that it was just inevitable because that means that there was nothing that could be done ahead to mitigate it though to be religious, I do believe in a sovereign God who's in control of everything. Uh, yep. But at the same time, I do believe that people take actions that have effects on them and the world around them, and that we could have been better prepared. And hopefully, this teaches us a lesson to be better prepared for the future. Yeah, yeah. no, that's. I think everything presents itself to become a learning opportunity, and and I agree with you on that. I mean, I think whether it's us personally, whether it's financially, whether it's you know, from a government perspective, I mean, just I think this in itself from on all levels of life can be a learning moment. And hopefully everyone can see that and, and adjust and, and again, come out of it, the, you know, the other side stronger and, and hopefully a little bit, you know, just prepared, I think is a good word. But with that being said, I want to respect your guys' time. There's a few other mentions that I would like to make before we close out here. Right now, it's, this is April 9th. This probably will get released you know, sometime around the summertime. So hopefully when this gets aired, you guys listening out there, everyone's back to normal. And if you're out there in the Houston area and you're interested in playing oil field hockey, I'd love for you to come join the Hack and Whack crew for some old-timer hockey. We do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. 
And if you're looking to get in shape and you're out in Katy, Texas, visit KTX Fit in Katy, Texas and get a free trial by telling one of the coaches that I sent you. I'd also like to take a moment to tell everyone about some other OGGN upcoming events. Hi, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck. So obviously we are in uh, unprecedented times right now and have been unable to carry out our last couple of happy hours that we had scheduled for last month. We have chosen to delay them and we'll continue to update you on when exactly we will be able to have those events again. Obviously, we're following along the recommended guidelines of the CDC and the World Health Organization. So we're really looking forward to seeing you and we're hoping that these events are going to happen sooner rather than later. But for now, stay tuned and we will keep you posted on those dates. Also, just want to say thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to Oil & Gas Global Network. We are fortunate to already have been a virtual company before the coronavirus and all of these issues started plaguing various countries. And we just want to continue bringing you guys the best information and to the best of our ability, keep you informed, especially while everyone is at home or at least most more people than ever before are at home. So We just would like to thank you for continuing to tune in and continuing to listen. And we hope that everyone is staying safe and we wish everyone the best. And thanks again. Awesome. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'll put your guys' links in the show notes, your LinkedIn and the websites. And then that's a wrap. And gentlemen, if you could stay on until it finishes downloading, you'll get a prompt. So once I stop hitting record here, if you would just stay on, we can still chat afterwards for a little bit. But with that being said, all the listeners out there, always remember when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.